I've seen shame, the kind that comes from mistakes, the kind that won't go away. When I turn around, they were right there to remind me. I've seen regret, the kind that messes with your head, the failures and the can't forgets. But standing here now, I'm thinking, God, it's behind me. Cause I've seen real scarred hands reach out and wipe it all away. Now I see grace. Hallelujah, I stand amazed. I'm staring at an empty grave and the stone that you rolled away. When I was a prodigal, you saw a son. When I left the 99, you saw the one. And just like that, all my past has been erased. When I look back, I still hurt, fall short of what you say I'm worth. And that devil says I don't deserve what you did on the cross. And he's right, because I don't. But you did it anyway. I see grace. Hallelujah, I stand amazed. I'm staring at an empty grave. And the stone that you rolled away. When I was a prodigal, you saw a son. When I left the 99, you saw the one. And just like that, all my past has been erased. When I look back, I see grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. Thank God Almighty, gonna sing it again. Oh, grace. I want to welcome you to East Hazel Baptist Church this morning, whether you're watching online or here in person. We want to thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your Sunday morning. Uh, just a couple of things I need to mention uh, before we ask you to shake hands with each other. After the service today, there's going to be a kids' camp meeting in the fellowship hall uh, right after the service. It will deal with paperwork and copies of insurance cards, so if your child's going to children's camp, please uh, uh, come and, and meet with Elizabeth right after the uh, service. Also, I want to mention that if you're interested in uh, church membership, one of the best ways to let us know that is just tear out this care card, okay, and fill it out and put it in the basket there in the back so that we could have a record of that. Uh, we don't usually schedule 
new members classes until we have a, a several families that have signed up to take it. Um, so if you're interested in that class, even if you've already signed up in the past and we haven't had a class, go ahead and fill that out so I could have a record of that. I'd really appreciate that. It helps us know how to schedule, whether to do it on a Sunday night or a Sunday following uh, the morning service. All right. Also, I want to mention the flowers here. They're placed at the altar today in honor of Daryl and Sharon Atkins for their 42nd wedding anniversary by their children, Jordan, Lindsay, and Jamie Atkins. Happy anniversary, guys. Is that not a blessing? I want to thank uh, Daryl for his leadership here at the church. And Sharon, thank you so much for what you do. Uh, wow. But thank you so much. We love you. <laughs> Gracious. We love you, Sharon. I'm going to welcome each other to the house of the Lord this morning.
I share quite often when I preach on my salvation. I got saved on a Tuesday night. Uh, I got to share this at John Ospaul's um, homegoing service uh, this past Friday. That John led me to the Lord, shared Jesus with me on a Tuesday night. Go home, tell my grandmother. All right, she jumped. First time I ever seen my grandmother jump, other than the time that Dwight Clark caught the pass to beat the Cowboys. God forgave her for not being a Cowboys fan, by the way. But she jumped up and down and said, Jamie got saved. And I remember, just like it was yesterday, the first time I prayed, first time I prayed, okay? And I, I realized at that time that I had an audience with the God of the universe through, through the shed blood of Jesus. Is that not amazing? And I'm reminded of that every time we have prayer time at this time, that regardless of what's going on in your life, that God loves you immensely and that you can bring your petitions to him and pray in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to encourage you to do that this morning as uh, the choir leads us in this time of worship. Let's worship the Lord through prayer this morning. Thank you. Jones are headed up to the mountains for a funeral for uh, his brother Melvin, but she said that his husband, or uh, his wife Regina, is very sick as well, and uh, so they're headed there, and she called right before the service started and wanted us to mention her name, so if we could pray for Regina this morning, uh, let's do that as well. So, Lord, as we come to you this morning with prayer, um, Lord, it's a great privilege to be able to call on your name this morning. Uh, you've always come through. You've never let us down. Lord, we're calling on you this morning to help uh, Regina. Lord, one for the passing of her husband, that you would comfort her during that time. But also now, Lord, that she's extremely sick. We just pray that uh, you would touch her body, that she would be able to uh, attend the funeral and to be able to uh, take part in that service as she lays her husband to rest. And um, Just be with Wayne and Mabel as they travel to the mountains as well. Uh, keep them safe as they travel. And um, Lord... Um, there's plenty of needs around this altar, I'm sure. Uh, needs that are unknown to us, but every one of them are known to you. And um, Lord, we thank you for being sovereign over all things. And um, Lord, you know what we're going to ask before we even ask. And so, um, Lord, as we lift up these prayers to you, we just pray that you would just give us contentment with the answers, whether it's a yes, a no, or a wait. Um, God, just help us to, to, again, just to be content. Be with Kevin as he's out of town. Give his family a good time away on vacation. Uh, be with Jamie this morning as he brings us the word. Uh, I just pray that you'd help him to recall what he's studied and what he's learned and that he would bring it to us this morning with humbleness and with clarity. And we would all leave this morning a little bit more like you because we've read your scriptures together. And uh, for Kevin Powell as well as he brings us a, a little insight on finding hope, Lord, we just pray that that ministry would continue to thrive and to, to reach children uh, with the gospel. And um, Lord, as we endeavor on having a uh, children's home right here in Alexander County. Lord, we just pray for that place. I pray for that property, God, that we would be able to, to literally rescue kids and uh, share the gospel with them and, and raise them up and send them out to the world to be disciples for you. And um, Lord, we just ask all this in your name. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord,
you, choir. Uh, every month we try to highlight one of our ministries that we support here and one of the ministries that, uh, that we've just recently started supporting, I guess for about the last six or seven years, is Finding Hope Ministries. And uh, Kevin Powell's a great uh, representative of Finding Hope Ministries, and I asked him if he would come this morning and give us an update on the ministry and also give you an opportunity to invest more into this ministry. So at the end of the service, we'll have ushers at the door. And um, if you'd like to give to Finding Hope, make a check out to East Hills Baptist Church and in the memo, put Finding Hope, okay, so that, so that we can have a record of that. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Lord. Okay, we got a little video we're going to show. And is this playing? This sort of shows a highlight of Finding Hope Ministries. You will go ahead and play it. It shows really a lot where we came from and where we're going to. Praise to God the Father, all praise to God. 
Okay. Most of this started about seven years ago, but it started really strong five years ago right here in this church during Vacation Bible School. That is where we got involved with Finding Hope Ministries. That is where the church actually got involved heavily. Most of what you see here, a large part of this, is thanks to East Southwell Baptist Church for the support for the people who go to Finding Hope in Romania. The growth of it is when they were here five years ago, there was 12 kids. Today, there's 36 kids that's registered, and there's about four or five other kids that stay there that just refuse to leave. And that's okay. Finding Hope is a forever family. Our kids are not orphans. They're no longer, they, well, once they come into the Finding Hope family, they're a part of a great family. They're a part of the family of God. 90% of our kids have been saved since they've been at Finding Hope. Most of them have been baptized. They worship every day. They have worship service. They go to church every Sunday. They go to Gypsy Village. Two of the kids are here. Larissa and Ani is here with us today. Alina was going to be, hopefully, but she got sick, and she's not able to be at a church today. And we're, Actually, we're speaking at four different churches today. There's people at four, three other churches speaking right now. And it's been a great summer for them. They have about just slapped wore me out. <clears throat> I've been in so many different swimming pools. We've been to Six Flags. We've been to the beach. <laughs> and we're going to Water Park tomorrow. So then we're going to Justin's on Tuesday. So they can make an old man tired. <laughs> That's all I can say. But it, finding hope, we're growing. Not this coming school year, but the next school year, Lord willing, everything goes right, we'll open our first school in Brazil. We're it's sort of in the slums of, oh, I've just lost the name of the city. It's one of the large cities over there. We're building into the slum of it. It will eventually be a five-story school building. We will start out, like I said, if everything goes right next school year, it'll start out with a one-story building, and as time goes, we will build. The Brazilian government's actually funding most of this in Brazil. They've asked Finding Hope to come and take it over and to run it through our ministry. We've got a lot of volunteers from Brazil and Romania. So one of the parents of one of our house parents is a major factor over there in the school system. She's a professor. She's going to lead the school and teach the school, but she wants our help in setting it up as a Christian school. So we're going to be heavily involved in it as far as that goes, which is going to open up more trips for travel for people. As you've seen our kids, one thing I want to clarify, because we did catch some flack. You've seen pictures of our kids in England and in Israel. From in Romania, we can fly to Israel round trip for less than $30. In England, it costs us $17 to fly round trip. So when you see our kids going to these different countries, most of the time it's church supported. Most of the time we have churches that invite our kids to camps and stuff like that. But when you're in Romania, for us to go to Israel is like going to Tennessee from here. I mean, the countries are all so small, and I've had to explain that a couple of times. Well, if your kids are in such a need, why are they going to these foreign countries? Well, these foreign countries are like states, and most of them are hosted by churches and stuff like that. But I will do want to say, East Southern 
is a huge, huge part of Finding Hope Ministries with the support. It, I couldn't tell you how many people in this church have been to Romania. It's a lot. The kitchen you've seen being built, we were there then. It actually snowed when we was putting the roof on that kitchen. But we were putting the roof on at 9 o'clock at night in the snow, and it was cold. But we had to leave at 3 o'clock in the morning, so we had to work on it. But anyway, I do want to thank everybody. I want to thank Jamie for giving the opportunity to speak. I know he's going to come up and he's going to do his sermon. But it's, it's a great pleasure to be here. And then, like I said, in Romania, we've had volunteers from 65 different countries come and from all seven continents. So it's, it's a blessing to see how greatly we're growing. We have no clue where it'll stop. The North Carolina home, if everything goes right, by this time next year, we hope to have kids in there. We don't know the number yet. That's still being debated. Right now, we're sort of at a standstill, permitting-wise, and how many kids we're going for. Our dream is 12, but we'll just see how that goes. But I want to thank you for this opportunity to spend a few minutes and show the video and tell a few things. Brother Jamie, I'm going to give it to you. How many times have you been to Romania? 14. 14 times. And uh, how many times have you went with people from East Tailswood, probably, you know? I know a couple I, of times they I would say at least six or seven different times. Okay, so uh, do you know yet when the next time you're going well, to be able to take volunteers? It'll probably be springtime mm -hmm. when I plan another trip for volunteers. I'm planning on going probably the end of August, mm -hmm. but we're going back into Ukraine yeah. to do a medical trip. So... But okay. we'll probably plan one. So what 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 will happen here? And people have asked me this. Is why I want to mention this uh, while Kevin's here. Is there'll be a trip planned, and what we'll do is is try to give you a heads up. Yeah. Uh, about a month ahead of time, at least. At least. Uh, you need to get your passport. Yes. Okay? You if you don't have your passport, don't even consider flying because you can't. And sometimes it takes a while to get your passport back. And we've had True. several men and women go from this church to go with Kevin or go yes. on their own to go to uh, Finding Hope Ministries. There's a lot of needs there. Do you have how many homes now? We have three homes, three homes in Romania now. right yeah. now, plus a church in a gypsy village over there that we operate. Yeah. So remember Kevin and their leadership team? Uh, they have a lot of irons in the fire. And how old are you, Kevin? 65. 65. You look, you look a lot older. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I really appreciate you. Love you. Thank you for I what appreciate you do. And appreciate finding Hope Ministries. God bless you. Let's get Thank you. One quick thing, come January the 1st, you'll have to go on to travel out of the country to European countries. You have to go online and apply for a visa because America makes everybody from over there get a visa. So now everybody that goes over there will have to have visas. And it's just an online form. It's nothing big, but you will have to go on. Once you go on, it's good for 10 years. But as of January the 1st, you will have to have a visa, electronic visa to travel. So keep that in mind, too. All right, thank you. Thank Let's you. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and stand with me. If you're new here, I've been going through uh, this little epistle for probably three or four months now. Uh, next week, we'll look at verse 24, which talks about Jesus Christ uh, who, who bore our sin debt. Last week, we looked at the word servant in verse 18. And how it applied to their culture and then tried to apply it to our culture. This morning when we talk about suffering, now think about this, okay? you got to understand context. 
Everything that Peter is applying to them may not apply to you, in a sense. Okay? Your suffering will probably not come from the government. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I've never personally suffered from the government, to be honest with you. Never have. Hopefully we never do. Okay? But you do suffer and go through trials. And what Peter is telling his readers, and then now, so many thousands of years later, is this. You follow Jesus' ex example, and he gives us three steps. Three steps to follow. Now notice what the Bible says in verse 21. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Now look at that last phrase, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. That is the greatest invitation that I can give to you is just to trust the Lord through the good times and the bad times. Amen. Just trust the Lord. And that's the greatest example that Jesus gave us was that he committed himself. And that phrase means he did it over and over again, over and over again. And I'm amazed at members of East Hills Baptist Church who have led by example. And for whatever reason in their life, it's been a, it's been a road of suffering at times, but they trusted in the Lord. So let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you for your word. Father, we all in our lives are going to have really good days and really bad days. Father, some people more than others. Father, some people are called to this kind of life. I don't understand all that, but Lord, I trust you. And Lord, I, I pray that we would follow in Jesus' example. Lord, these three steps that he gives us are so important. Whether we're going through hard times or not, we should be doing these things. Father, I pray that you be glorified through all that's said and done. Father, once again, I want to thank you for finding Hope Ministries. I pray that they would never need for money, for volunteers, for resources. I pray that you'd save young people for your honor and for your glory. Thank you for what they do. Lord, encourage their leadership team. Uh, Lord, I know it gets difficult at times, very busy. Uh, but Lord, you just help them. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do for us. And we love you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first step that Jesus gives us is follow his steps in suffering. Notice the verse. Very important verse. And it is this. For to this you were called. Look at the word called. That's the same word that God uses when he uses the term elect or election. It means that when you got saved, the reason you're saved is because the Holy Spirit convicted you. Now, somebody may, may have shared their faith with you. You may have been in church where the preacher was preaching. Maybe somebody prayed for you when you were somewhere, but you were drawn by God's grace and you were called, okay, to salvation. And you responded. What, what Peter is telling his recipients is this. You are called to this. You're going to be called to this. No reason to try to get out from under it. This is your lot in life. That's a very hard word to give a group of people that are scattered over modern-day Turkey, okay? In the situation that they were living in, Peter says, I'm just going to be honest with you. As a Christian, this is what you're called to. Pagans aren't called to this. They're just not. For some of you in your life, hear me well, there's going to come a time in your life when you have no answer for what's going on. And I would tell you this is what you're called for. It's what you're called for. Paul told Paul, God told Paul this the day he saved him, listen, but the Lord said to him, Go, tell Ananias to go to Paul. For he is a chosen vessel of mine, okay, called. He said, I, I chose Paul today on the Damascus Road. I blinded him and said, You're going into ministry, okay? Called, just like your suffering is. He says, I, he's, he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, 
in the children of Israel. I preached a sermon one time on Paul and showed the miles that he traveled since his salvation. It's amazing. Boat, land, whatever, walking, all these things, okay? He said, he's a chosen vessel of mine. Paul went before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. It's amazing. God said, that's what I'm going to use Paul for. Then he says this, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Wow. It's amazing. And you know what Paul said? Well, I've been called to it, so I'm going to do it. Okay? Now, that applies, that word applies to your suffering as well. For some, now, there's some things I do that's my fault, right? It, just the natural consequences of being uh, ignorant at times in our lives, giving in to the flesh. I can't blame God for that. But there's some times in people's lives where things just happen, and you're like, this must be what I've been called to. See, the world don't deal with that. But you may, and people have been, and I don't understand that at all. But, but what the uh, writer says is this. Listen to what Luke records in Acts. He says, or Paul writes to the church of Philippi, he says, For to you, telling tell the church of Philippi, it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only for you to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Being a first century Christian was tough. Being a 2023 Christian is so easy. He said, you're going to suffer for Christ's sake and because you've been called to it. In Acts 14, it says Paul and his people preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And they said this, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And to the church at Thessalonica, Paul says this, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials, for you know quite well that we are destined for them. First century Christianity was very, very difficult. See, first century Christianity, you didn't have people just raise their hand and sign a card and say, I'm saved. Now, it was a life-changing event, not only for you supernaturally, but your whole life changed. And what Peter is saying is this. You're called to it, you're going to suffer. So since you're going to suffer, follow the example of Jesus. And I would say to you, how does that apply to my life? There again, it may be your lot in life to go through suffering or a trial that you don't understand. I don't understand that. But we follow Jesus' example when it comes to suffering. That word example, look at it. It comes from two words, which means hupo, grapho. It means before right. It's only used here in the New Testament. It literally means writing under and was used of words given to children to copy both as a writing exercise. Teacher would write the words and then the children would, under, underneath it, they would write the same words or they would have dots and they would fill in the dots. I remember doing that in the first grade, okay? And he said, you follow Jesus' example that you should follow in his steps. So why do we suffer? According to the Bible, I'm just going to list three things. In Romans 8, 29, it says this, to make me more like Jesus or to conform me into the image of Christ. Notice what Romans 8, 29 says. For those who God foreknew, he also predestined. What did he predestined us to, to do? Every person that's born again, this is your destiny. It is. To be conformed to the image of his son. People argue over predestination. I'm like, Romans 8, 29 is so easy. You've been predestined as a Christian to be conformed into the image of Jesus. Sometimes God uses suffering to conform us into his image. That's a hard word. You won't hear this on TBN probably, 
They don't write many books about this, but that's what Peter says. Notice Paul writing to the church at Corinth, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested into our mortal flesh. And what Paul is saying is all these things are making me more like Jesus. Notice the second thing, to put me on the right path. The psalmist says this, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. So what's going to bring me back? But now I obey your word. Why? Because of affliction. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Why? Because they were afflicted. I don't know if you remember Connie Wagner, one of the great saints, worked with Forgiven Ministries. Okay? I went with Connie many times in prisons. She was on the cover of Mosaic Magazine. Okay? I had her to autograph mine. She thought it was so silly, but I still have that copy. And she said, when she was dying at Polly's house from a liver issue, she said, please share this verse. This is my life verse. And it's so true. It's my testimony. And what was it? Before I was afflicted, I went astray. And she says, every affliction that I have comes from the hand of the Father to make me more like him. And I'm not running from this thing. Now, she's laying in a bed about to die. She says, I surrender to it. Hey, you can preach a lot of stuff you want to. You can say this out or the other, but when you're under it and you still have that kind of faith, I'm just amazed. So why do we do that? To put me on the right path sometimes. Sometimes it's the only way to get us here. Okay? And then the third thing is this, and I, it's going to be hard for you to read this, but I'm going to read it for you. To humble me and make me experience his presence and strength. Paul said, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, Paul's saying, I've seen so much so that I will not exalt, okay, and think I'm better than anybody else because Paul was not, even though he was a great saint of God. No better than you are. He says, a thorn in the flesh was, look at the word, was given to me from whom? From God. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest, here he goes again, lest I be exalted above memory. That's a mature Christian. God sent me a messenger because I'm going to be so arrogant and cocky, nobody want to hear me speak. That's what he says. God sent me a messenger. He said, concerning this thing, this messenger, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So Paul hated it. When he says he, he pleaded three times, that means three seasons of prayer. Three seasons. We don't know how long it was. It might have been years of fasting and praying. And every time God says, no. Nope. Paul, you've been called to this. Don't understand that, but you've been called to it. He says this, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. That means just enough. When I share that verse at funerals, I use the illustration of my grandmother, okay? And we, we basically live with my grandmother in the summer. You got three meals a day. Isn't that a blessing? Home-cooked meals. And she would cook fried taters. And I would watch her cook. You know how grandma cooked? She'd take Crisco, and this is how she measured it. She'd grab it with her hand. She'd look at the taters. Throw them in there like that. Okay, and then wipe it off on her uh, apron. And I'd go, wow, that's a weird way to measure, right? And then, you know, she just had the right amount of salt. You know what she'd do? She'd pour the salt in her hands. And y'all pray for me because I do this at restaurants too. And she'll put it in her hands and do this. Right right there. I look at Grandma and I go, wow. I say, Grandma, do you measure anything? I just did, son. I just measured. And just the right amount of salt on each tater. It was so good. Fried taters should, I hope they serve it in heaven. I love fried taters, okay? 
You know what grandma was saying? Oh, it's sufficient for each one. And see, what Paul is saying is this, because I suffered, I experienced God's grace that is sufficient. Sufficient. He says, Paul, he says, God humbled me, even though I prayed for this thing to be removed. I would too. Oh, I'm wimpy. Okay. I'm wimpy. And, and he said, but he didn't, but God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect. And we can, then Paul says, therefore, most gladly, I'll rather boast in my infirmities. That's a hard word too. I'm just going to boast in all this. I'm just going to brag on God through this, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities. That's a mature man right there. I take pleasure in this. I'm telling you, he has really grown in Christ. He says, in reproaches and needs, persecutions, distresses for Christ. He said, the reason I'm suffering is because of God. (laughs) For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You want to experience God's presence and his strength? You suffer, you will. Trust me, you will. Second thing, and I'm going to hurry, is this, is self-control. Notice what the Bible says. It makes this statement. Jesus committed no sin. Okay, he's sinless. The Bible over and over again confirms the fact that Jesus was sinless. We'll talk about this next week. Okay, nor is deceit found in his mouth. Okay, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. That means when he was insulted, he did not insult back. Isn't that a blessing? Okay, is that not, is that easy to do? All right, now think about this. Let's say, let's say somebody says something very bad and critical about you. The tendency is, is just to push back and say something back to him. Jesus didn't say anything. Isaiah said that he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He didn't open his mouth. He didn't say a word. Self-control. It's one of the most important virtues we can have. It's the one thing Paul told Titus to tell those on Crete to show is self-control. Why? Any sin, whether it's by my mouth, my hands, my eyes, my body, any sin has the potential to take root in my life. Did you hear me, Christian? Do you have self-control? Okay. Self-control, what, what a tremendous thing of virtue to have in your life. Bill Stafford said this, a great preacher. He said, take Bill Stafford away from Jesus for five minutes and I'm capable of doing anything. You are. Self-control. How Do you have self-control? That means your desires are under control. That's why Paul said, I die daily. Paul said this, therefore I run this way, not with uncertainty. Paul says, I got a purpose with the way I I live my life. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. He said, I'm not a shadow boxer, but I discipline my body, self-control, and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. Solomon said this, like a city whose walls are broken down. A Jewish person said, oh no, if your walls are broken down, that's like living uh, in America today with your doors unlocked at night. Okay? If your wall, he, said, he said, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Do you have self-control? Okay? Do you have self-control? Think about Jesus. He did not, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. This is what they called him throughout his life. And that, and that phrase that Peter uses means it was like all the time. Throughout his whole life, they called him an illegitimate child born out of wedlock. They called him a glutton. They called him a drunkard. They said, you're possessed by demons. Now, this is over the course of his ministry. They said, you're in secret alliance with Satan. They said, you're a deceiver, a tax evader, and a false teacher. 
They hurled abusive accusations at him constantly. Peter used a present tense participle to inform us that it never let up, and Jesus still maintained self-control. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever experienced road rage? Yeah. I mean, I did the other day driving through Main Street. Thankfully, the car went on. All right? He passed me between me and another car. I said, what are you doing? Okay, thankfully, I didn't say anything out loud, but everything within me wanted to, you know? Have you ever been passed in line at Walmart? You people are the worst, okay? I mean, here you are getting ready to check out, and somebody waves at you and goes in front of you. Oh, I remember one time when I was going to Baptist, and you know, back then they had the 20 items or less or 10 or 1 or whatever, and I had my little gift card, and this sweet little lady comes up with her back boogie full, and I just told her to go on because she can read, right? There's more than 10 items in her buggy, and she gets right in front of me. And I look at this little old lady, and I'm thinking bad thoughts toward this woman. Okay? And I said, ma'am, I have a gift card. She says, well, how sweet, son. How sweet. Like that. And I'm holding my card like, what are you? What are you? I said, ma'am, are you in line? She says, oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I said, I have, a, I, have, I have one item. She said, you done told me that. God is my witness. So I'm thinking, okay, I sized her up. I thought I could beat her up, you know, maybe. She'd look pretty tough. And then there was a voice that spoke to me. No lie, an audible voice. I said, sir, I can help you. <laughs> it was the next aisle over. So I checked out and I said, why do you get so upset, right? Why do you get so upset? Now, what if, what if a member of this church said something negative to you, look, insulted you either to your face or behind your back. What are you going to do about it? I'm not talking about at work where you're living among the world. I'm talking about we're family, right? Weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. What are you going to do? Are you going to show self-control? I hope you do. Okay. Think about all the things that have been said about you. Does it really matter? You know, I, I, I've been pastored in here. I've been here since 2002, okay? And when you're, when, you, when, you, when you're behind this pulpit, it just happens. Some things are true. Some things are not. Somebody comes in and says, somebody said this is not good. I don't care. Really? They're probably having a bad day. So what? Those people don't even know me. But inside, you're wanting to go, what would you say? <laughs> You're wanting to push people back. You know, you push me. If you push me in school, I was going to push you back. Okay? I had confidence in my ability to outrun you. So I could push you back, then I could be gone, right? Do you, listen, do you have self-control? You know, Jesus could have used all kinds of different examples, right? And, and, and the Bible does. Do you have self-control in the area of sex? Do you? I mean, the Bible constantly talks about that. Do you have self-control with your money? What about with food? Hey, I'm on a diet every day, but you bring me a chocolate-covered pound cake, I'm going to eat it. Seven, eight pieces of it. And one day, I'll just eat it. Okay, no self-control. But what about with your mouth, which can cause so much damage? I remember Francis Chan, who's a preacher, he said that, and I've shared this with you before, but he said that one of his classmates, now this is 20 years after the fact, was deathly sick at a hospital there in California, and a lot of his former classmates said, will you please go see her? She's, she's about to die. You know, don't know if she knows the Lord. And Francis Chan went in that room. 
And she looked up at him. I, I was at a conference when he said this. He's talking about the power of your words and having control. And he says, and she looked at him and said, are you Francis Chan? Now, he'd written books, big name in Christian circles, on TV all the time. I've heard him speak several times. And he, he kind of said, I had a sense of pride that she knew where, how well I'd done. And he goes, yes. And she said, I just want you to understand something. They say I may not live. True story. She says, part of the reason I am the way I am is because of you. And the things you said about me and my body and your friends in high school. Now, he was talking to college students, okay? And that's when social media was just taken off. He says, oh, you may not speak them, but you type them. Don't lie about people. You have self-control. Francis Chan said, he asked if he could pray, and she said, no. I'd rather you just leave. Now, what kind of legacy do you want to live? Mia, let me tell you something. When you speak to your wife, your kids hear it. You should never raise your voice at your wife. What are you, a little boy? You should never yell at your wife, okay? There, there's not a reason to speak down to, to your spouse. Children, look at me. You should never speak down to your mother. That's your mother. Only Jesus loves you more than your mama. Amen? To speak down, and then, then Dad, if, if you hear a child speak bad about their mom, he's speaking bad, they're speaking bad about your wife, right? Show self-control. See, when you're suffering, it's real easy to say things to God and about God. Read the Psalms. I bet David repented of a lot of that stuff. God, why this? God, why that? You know? Self-control. Jesus showed tremendous self-control. When he was on the cross, okay, they came out. This is what they would do. I'll talk about this next week. They would come out the worst of the worst and watch crucifixion. Okay? And part of the job of the crowd was to read the accusations that was uh, nailed above their head and then talk about that person and talk about their family. Jesus is nude, dying on the cross, and his mom's right there. And the Bible says they cursed at him. They insulted him. They said all sorts of things about him while he's dying for them. And the Bible says, Jesus says this, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do as they casted lots for his clothes. You want to be like Jesus? WWJD? Man, I fall short there. Jesus also said this in some of his last breaths. He looked at a thief who cursed him out and made fun of him. He said, I believe in you, Jesus. And Jesus said, today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. You want to be like Jesus? In your suffering context that you've been called to, be careful what you say. Show self-control. Then the final thing is this, and I'll, I'll be done, is follow his steps in submission. Look at this verse. Jesus, this is what Jesus did, committed himself to him who judges righteously. In the phrase that is written, it's amazing how God inspired Peter and Paul to use this grammar. And the phrase that it was written means that he did this over and over. It, that word committed means to just give it to somebody else. I've done all I can do with it. It's, you give it to somebody who can handle it and you can't, right? And what the Bible says is this, even though Jesus could handle it as our example, in his suffering, he accepted it. 
He submitted to it and said, God, I trust you with it. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. Uh, when I got to spend time with John Oswald a couple weeks ago, and I've told you this, he shared Jesus with me on a Tuesday night, and I got saved, okay? 20 years ago, I got to share that story, the whole thing where uh, I had to had to court-appointed counseling for 10 weeks. My probation officer said, Jamie, you going to counseling? I said, well, that's good. I said, who are we talking to? He said, John Oswald. I said, I don't know him. You know, I didn't go to church. I was cocky, arrogant, smart. I was smart. I was a good student. Smart. Man, I went in there and sat down, and I give John my resume. And you know what John said? He looked at me and smiled. I hated when he did that. He said, and here you are <laughs> for 10 weeks with John Oswald. No lie. And you know what he said to me? He, for 10 weeks, once or twice a week, you're meeting with a guy, telling your life story. Man, I was blaming everybody, everybody. John smiled, mm, you know, want to smack him. He said, you know what your problem is? You make excuses. He says, you kind of sound like somebody might be eight years old, smiling. He says, do you take responsibility for anything in your life? I sat there and went, you're right, right? I'm smart. I was a decent student. Then he said this on, on another night. He said, he said, listen, live in the way you are. Now listen to this. He said, let's be realistic. You're 20. You're, you're a grown man. You're a grown man, right? You, hey, if you're 20, you're a grown, right? You're a grown person. He said, you need to take responsibility for your life. Well, let, me, let, me, let me ask you. He wasn't mean about it. Smiling, right? And he said this. He said, Jamie, I remember him smiling. He said, where do you really see yourself in five years if things don't change? I said, it's not a good picture. He said, now, now you, you told me all the things that you've done. You've done this, that, and the other. He says, is that, is that what you want to do, be known for? Is that not a good, honest thing? And I said, nope. And then on a Tuesday night, John shared Jesus with me. My wife, Renee, was there. She was my girlfriend at the time. One of my best friends in life was there. And on a Tuesday night, about 7.25 p.m., because John Ospaul, who was from this church, used his job to evangelize, I became a Christian. And then I find myself sitting before John. He says, Jamie, I got lung cancer. And he says, you know what? I'm resigned to the fact that I'm going to die. Listen to me. And he said this, and I, I put it in my phone. I am ready. You better believe I'm ready. And I'm not scared. I said, brother, thank you for sharing that with me. You know what he said? I'm just going to give it to Jesus. See, some of you this morning, what I'm going to encourage you to do, and you don't got to come forward. I want to encourage you to give whatever it is to Jesus. You don't got to tell me. Give it to him. And what I mean by that is this, just give it to him. Submit to God's will and just give it to him. If, something, if there's something you need to change, you know why? Because you've not shown self-control in some area. It's okay. One of the most beautiful words in the Bible is repent, which means, God, with your help, I'm going to stop. You know, when I confess my sins, I, I do this now. I'm like, God, I know what your word says. I broke it. Help me to not do it again. I confess I'm wrong. Thank you for forgiveness, okay, because you're forgiven, all right? But help me not to do it again. Help me to show self-control, okay? So I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stand with me as our musicians come. not going to give a long invitation. It shouldn't take a long time to do this, okay? I want you to just bow your heads just for a moment, close your eyes. Listen, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, the thing you need to hand over to Jesus is your life, and say, Jesus, today I give my life to you. 
I believe in you. I trust in you. And then there are others of us. And whatever it is that's going on in your life, would you today say, Lord, today, and mark it, I give it to you today. Lord, I give this thing to you today. Accept your part in it, accept God's part in it, and give it to him. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we're so thankful, Lord, for the example of Jesus. Lord, the more I study about you, and I've been a Christian since 1990, Lord, the more in awe I am of who you are. Father, help me to be more like you. Father, in the area of suffering and submission, Lord, self-control, Lord, I give it to you today and ask you to help me. Father, thank you for the example that you have set for us all. Jesus, if there's any person here today who has never placed their faith in you, I pray that today they would trust in you and believe in you. And for that decision, that you'd be forever glorified. And we'll thank you and praise you for it, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you. You can respond there or up here if you want to. Smith, I want to thank you once again so much for being here. Kevin Powell, thank you for what you do. Love you, brother. Appreciate you and your family. Um, ushers are at the door uh, with Finding Hope Ministries. And uh, make the check out to Finding Hope. I mean, make check, I'm sorry, to East Hazel. Put in the memo, Finding Hope Ministries. Uh, you're not going to uh, lose any money by giving to them. Okay, God's going to bless you, and I really appreciate uh, what they do. Uh, once again, I want to remind you that we do not have Sunday night services Children are meeting in the fellowship hall, so uh, if you have a child going to camp, please, please go see Elizabeth uh, right now. Thank you. God bless you, and you're dismissed.